1-10-60, which means, you know, we've got a minute to detect, 10 minutes to evaluate, and 60 minutes to remediate and, and remove an adversary from the environment. And that speed is becoming really, really critical. Hi, I'm Marianne Bohr with Hims. Today I'm sitting down with Drex DeFord and Todd Felker, Executive Healthcare Strategist at CrowdStrike. And today we'll be talking about how speed is new currency of cybersecurity. And before we start, I'd like to say thank you to CrowdStrike for sponsoring this podcast. Well, Drex and Todd, thanks for joining us today. Now, you talk about the need for cybersecurity transformation to support digital health innovation. Now, Drex, what do we mean by that? Health systems are making a lot of investments right now in healthcare innovation and digital health. Uh, and those investments include some really expensive technology investments, but also a lot of changes to people in process um, so that they can integrate those technologies into clinical and business and research workflow. But I think we all think about electronic health records as being part of that. But in today's modern health system, um, in a lot of ways, it's just the beginning. So all of it really is being done to accommodate patients and families who want a better experience and more access to their clinical information and research options and better care options and, you know, all that, all that stuff. Um, but a critical part of supporting those investments and that work of improving patient experience has to be tied to cybersecurity and security of those investments and our patients. Um, modern kind of safe care is, uh, is uh, challenging to, to say the least. Uh, I think without the technology and the, and the people processes that have been put in place around that technology, sometimes it's even impossible. And so for me, one of the most likely interruptions of that care today seems to be cybersecurity incidents and the breaches that are happening at healthcare organizations that take them down, take them offline. And so that's really why I'm doing what I'm doing now. And I think Todd would probably say the same thing that, at this point in my career, um, I think that healthcare organizations have to stop cybersecurity breaches, meaning they have to transform their cybersecurity programs to match their progress and dependence on digital health and innovation efforts. So in my mind, digital transformation and cybersecurity transformation go hand in hand. It's really the only way to protect the investments and to protect the patients and families. Absolutely. Now, um, there are some new insights that you've published recently about how quickly an adversary can move now once they're in the environment. Now, Todd, can you tell us a little more about that and about some of the newer threats that we're seeing? Our Overwatch team just produced a uh, their annual report last month, and in it, they identified uh, the benchmark for the average amount of time that the adversary takes in in order to move laterally after they've gained initial access into an environment and that time has now gone a uh, drop down to an uh, one hour 24 minutes and that's really really noteworthy because it's more than nine times faster than what we were seeing even just a couple of years ago so it, it really is speed is the new is the new currency that we have to leverage in order to respond uh, to alerts and and things that might indicate that an adversary has gained access to our environment. So, and one of the things that you know we really 
focus on with our, our managed uh, endpoint protection service is 11060, which means, you know, we've got a minute to detect, 10 minutes to evaluate, and 60 minutes to remediate and, and remove an adversary from the environment. And that speed is becoming really, really critical. We're seeing some very sophisticated attacks. And I feel like we're like at DEF CON 4, DEF CON 5 right now. There's there's um, some tools that the adversary, uh, some sophisticated adversaries we're using that have gotten leaked. And they're targeting VMware environments right now, particularly in healthcare. And that can be especially devastating uh, in healthcare because it can take the electronic medical record if it's hosted on site down and it can, it can really disrupt patient care uh, if all of those servers that are hosted on the virtualized environment go down and uh, with ransomware, you know, and they're, they're exfiltrating data before they do that. So it's very, very dangerous. And, and the adversary is moving at just unprecedented speeds. Now, of course, there's also the challenge of staffing and expertise. I've read some reports recently that talk about how many cybersecurity professionals are thinking seriously about leaving their profession. Now, how can health systems hire and uh, retain that knowledge and experience that they need to protect their organizations and their patients. Drex, how, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, um, I, you know, without, st without question, staffing is kind of a major issue um, for healthcare technology in general, but definitely in cybersecurity. And when there's a breach, we often hear that they, the organization had a lot of tools or a lot of technologies, and many of those technologies were alerting that something bad was happening. Um, but there were so many alerts from so many tools that there was a lot of noise and it was hard to find signal in that noise. And then when you pile on this issue of there weren't enough people uh, to watch these tools, there weren't enough people with the right skills uh, and attention to be able to find the signal in the noise and do something about it in a timely manner, that's when this lateral movement happens, right? You have to be fast, which means you have to be on these tools all the time. And as Todd said, speed is critical in the cybersecurity battle. And speed, again, isn't dependent just upon the tools that you have, but also the people and processes that you've created. And if there's a weak link in the chain right now, it's probably um, the people. And I would just say, not because cybersecurity pros and healthcare aren't doing everything possible to protect their organizations. They are, and they are super burned out in a lot of cases. And that's why you hear about folks talking, uh, saying the things that they say about maybe leaving the profession. Um, but the bottom line is there just isn't enough of them. Uh, they, don't, um, they don't necessarily have the skills built that they need to be able to do the work that they're being asked to do. And of course, you have to cover 24-7, 365 to stay ahead of the adversary. So uh, again, this, this doesn't have to do with people not working hard enough or not working hard. They're working incredibly hard, but it is a challenge to hire the right people with the right skills today in cybersecurity in general and in healthcare in particular. That makes sense for sure. Now, um, the Internet of Medical Things and the Internet of Things, those continue to be challenging for health systems. Now, Todd, what steps can these health organizations take to improve the situation? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a tough one. This is a topic that I'm uh, particularly engaged with and passionate about. 
So if you, if, first of all, let's just kind of paint the picture here. If you're an organization that's say a healthcare delivery organization that's got like 5,000 computers on your network, you probably have five times that in IoT and IOMT devices. So you're looking at 25,000 uh, either, you know, IoT devices like phones or IOMT devices, the most uh, most common and, and most numerous uh, IOMT device on most delivery organizations networks would be their infusion pumps. So, and, and these devices tend to be uh, ignored and, and not, you know, because of choice, just that, you know, they work, you plug them in, they work. And so we're good. And what up until, you know, recently in the last few years, a lot of organizations weren't even really tracking these devices. So the first thing that an organization needs to do is get visibility. You have to have an accurate inventory of all these devices. And then once you have that, it really, really helps if you have uh, the ability to evaluate them from a risk posture perspective. In other words, understand what vulnerabilities are on them and how severe are those vulnerabilities and how do they compare to each other. Once you kind of know like where you're at in terms of your the posture of all these devices and which ones are really the most vulnerable, then you can start to act. And so you have to do a lot of work just to get to the point to where you're going to try to decide how to like boil this ocean and and starting with your most risky devices and taking into account the context with which they're used, i.e. infusion pumps are really, really important. And uh, there was an article came out earlier this year you know, like 70, like 75% of healthcare organizations have critical vulnerabilities on their infusion pumps that haven't been patched, that, that a lot of them have been out for like three or four years. So organizations really have to pay attention to the posture of the device. Um, how important is it to patient care in particular? And what are the vulnerabilities? I think even in 2019, there was articles posted stating that, you know, 80% of healthcare organizations have suffered an attack on an IoT or an IOMT device. And you don't hear about these things in the press, but these devices uh, tend to be very vulnerable and, uh, and you have to be able to understand, um, what you can do to kind of protect them. And so once you find the vulnerabilities, there's lots of things you can do from, you know, working with the manufacturer to update firmware um, to doing some NAC profiles, uh, which is network access control, which means you can limit who can talk to these devices. But then you have to understand, like, what's their normal behavior and and who do they talk to? Who do they need to talk to? And then let's put a profile around these devices so that they only talk to those so that if the bad guy does get into your network, he may not, he'll, odds are he'd be on a device that wouldn't be able to talk to some of these devices. Um, there's some really cool things happening with um, some technology called micro segmentation, which I'm kind of excited about. And um, I, I, so in other words, there's, there's new things coming along all the time that can help us to manage these devices, but it just starts with, with getting visibility and kind of ranking them in terms of how critical a vulnerability do they have and how is the device used? Absolutely. I don't think uh, people realize all the time how large their threat surface gets when you think of all those pumps and all those devices calling home all the time. Absolutely. Now, obviously, Drex and Todd, we've just scratched the surface on this. So what are some other cyber challenges that you're hearing about from healthcare organizations today? 
Oh man, uh, there are uh, there are so many. Um, you know, I, I mean, part of me wants to just start by saying thanks to everybody who's doing this work right now because it's it's huge work and it's incredibly important. Uh, I just did a, a focus group with a bunch of uh, CISOs and CIOs uh, just last week, and one of the things that came up was mergers and acquisitions, and we talked about that for maybe ten minutes until somebody mentioned cyber liability insurance. And literally the rest of the time that we had the conversation, we were talking about cyber liability insurance and the challenges with cyber liability insurance. Part of the problem is that, you know, it's it's a short uh, time span of period that cyber liability insurers have had to be able to build the kinds of tables and math models that they need to understand the risk that they're taking on. And they're doing that in an environment in an environment where the adversaries are moving very quickly and changing the things that they do and the way that they do them. So it makes it really hard for cyber liability insurance uh, companies to figure out how to ensure the risk that exists because it's hard sometimes for them to wrap their heads around the risk that exists. And so one of the ways that they're doing that today is by, um, you know, back in back in the day, a few years ago, you would actually uh, get cyber liability insurance by answering a few questions, and then they gave you insurance. And now there are pages and pages and pages. One of the folks in the call said that they had over a hundred pages of addendum now attached to their uh, to their policies or to their policy proposals that they had to answer and answer all of them and answer them well to even qualify. Uh, for the possibility that they would get cyber liability insurance. And so I know that that's a, that's a real challenge and a real hot button for, uh, for a lot of organizations. Todd, what, what have you heard? So like even a, in 2021, when I, the last time I had to do that, when I was the CISO, I had like 300 questions. And I'm hearing this year, it's like Direct said, it's like gotten just every year, it's just getting worse and worse. And so not only do, are you scrambling, trying to protect your organization and put all these initiatives forwards and the initiatives forward and, and increase the number of tools you have and, and your your speed and your, your monitoring and your responding to alerts and keeping an eye on things. Now you've got to justify how well you're doing that, not only to uh, perhaps the board, but now to the cyber liability insurance company. They don't just ask, you know, uh, how many uh, domain admin accounts do you have, but now they want justification. And so there's, there's a lot of work that has to go into answering those questions questionnaires. And I just, I feel for everybody that's in that position, they're strapped with budget and, uh, and they're trying to do the best they can to keep everything safe. And now in order to qualify for insurance, you, you have to prove that, uh, how effective your program is. Yeah. It's a lot of, um, it's a lot of, uh, on top of all the time and effort that, smaller teams don't have today, uh, they're doing uh, this kind of work too. So, I mean, which really kind of gets to the bottom line of like just asking for help, right? It, you can build a better program. There are better ways to do the cybersecurity transformation, um, but oftentimes it's hard to do it alone. So, you know, ask ask your friends, ask your partners for help. That's That's probably the best way to sort of find the route out of what sometimes feels like the dark woods that uh, that you're in right now. Absolutely. Obviously, partnering with the right vendors and the right partners is key. Now, Todd and Drex, if our listeners want to know how to 
find out more about CrowdStrike? How can they get in touch with you? Uh, you know, so you can always, I mean, the the sort of instant and easy answer is to uh, hit the website, crowdstrike.com slash healthcare, and um, you'll be able to get access to us there. Uh, but for me personally, you can always reach out. I'm on LinkedIn, always love to connect with people and have conversations online. I'm on Twitter at Drex DeFord. And so, and, and you know, uh, you can always reach out to me via email too. It's easy to get to me, drex.deford at crowdstrike.com. Todd? Yeah, yeah, no, LinkedIn, uh, just like Drex said, is one of my favorite avenues. And yeah, it's our first name dot last name at crowdstrike.com. And uh, and I am uh, really enjoy uh, working with other security practitioners and, and just trying to find a way to help. It's one of my favorite things about this role that Drex and I are in here at CrowdStrike. Wonderful. Now, Drex and Todd, thank you so much for joining us today and for all of your insights. And a special thanks to CrowdStrike for sponsoring this podcast. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks. Thank you.